When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So in this video, in this podcast today, we're going to be taking some time to talk about Deutsche Bank. But you know, truth be told, this this video, this podcast is going to extend far beyond just Deutsche Bank, far beyond the German banking sector, the European banking sector. Uh, really, what I want to talk about is what would another Lehman Brothers type moment look like this next time around? And why would it look potentially very different from the way that it looked back in 2008? But I do want to start off with, with Deutsche Bank. Because, you know, there's a good reason, I think, that, that so many people pick on Deutsche Bank. Much has been said about Deutsche Bank over the years, especially here in the alt media. And, you know, this, this stock price, and I apologize for those of you that are listening to the podcast world, this stock price really kind of tells the whole story. Or at least a good chunk of the story. Uh, you know, in 2007, a big move up ultimately to their peak north of 130, maybe north of $140 a share. And then, like so many other banks and financial institutions, a collapse in, in 2008 and going into 2009 with the financial crisis, the Great Recession, but then a recovery. But since then, it's mostly been to the downside. As I said, the peak was was around 140. Today, Deutsche Bank's sitting shy of nine dollars. In fact, you know, within the last six months, they hit their all-time you know recent low of of below eight dollars a share. And that's just not the case for a lot of other banks, you know. And so, why is it that Deutsche Bank uh, gets picked on so much, and and why is it that their price is so low? You know, unlike so many stocks in the stock market these days, that that <clears throat> don't pay attention to fundamentals. I think Deutsche Bank is kind of one that, that is, is, is accurate, the accurate stock price. And so this kind of goes into a couple different things. First of all, their financials. Their financials is just, they, they haven't performed as well as other banks since the financial crisis, since you know, some, some other banking and other crises that occurred in Europe since then. Second of all, they have a, a pretty long history of getting in legal trouble. And, and plenty of other banks are corrupt in this nature as well. But Deutsche Bank seems to just kind of be like a magnet to these types of things like money laundering, market rigging, etc. So that's been part of it as well. But, you know, another thing that gets talked about a lot, and this kind of goes to the heart as to why I'm talking about more than just Deutsche Bank in this video today, this podcast, is that they have a massive derivative exposure. But, but the truth of the matter is that, you know, a lot of banks and financial institutions have derivative exposure. I mean, what are derivatives in the first place? Excuse me. I mean, derivatives are basically, you know, I don't even want to call them assets. I guess they are. I mean, you can sell them. They have a value. You can buy them, etc. But it's almost like an instrument, okay? Used to, to, to play an underlying asset. Make a bet on it, if you will, right? And, and we have exposure or, or we have the ability to trade derivatives relatively easy. You know, if you uh, kind of trade your own stocks, whether that's like Robinhood or E-Trade or whatever you use to, 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 to trade stocks, if you do that. You know, you can buy a stock. You know, a good example would be like mining stocks. You can buy a mining stock, okay? 
or you can buy like an ETF. So like gold mining stocks, you could buy like GDX or GDXJ, which is like junior gold miners. Okay. Those are, you know, based on, on underlying stocks, but I don't know if I would quite call them a, a derivative. ETFs are, they have their own problems, their own dangers, but, but in theory, you know, that should be pretty close to the underlying. In theory, it's not always true, maybe. But then there are derivatives of things like GDX or GGXJ, like like uh, Nugget, N-U-G-T, or Dust. I think those are the ones for, and somebody can correct me, for, for GDX. And basically those are, are, are leveraged derivatives that move up or down uh, based on, on the price movement of kind of the underlying ETF. Right. And that's just one example. I mean, you, you, there's derivatives and you know, maybe some more common or popular ones are derivatives that are based on like VIX, the volatility index, which in and of itself, I think is a derivative. And, and there's many other stuff, but that's just like, that's easy to, to, to wrap our brains around how these types of derivatives work. And yet the banking sector uh, gets far more complex and, and they can be on both sides of a trade and it can be very, very complex. But, but Deutsche Bank, they have a massive derivative exposure. It's hard to say exactly what it is, hard to quantify because so much is derivative these days. But a lot of other banks, I mean, that's kind of true for them as well. In fact, you know, uh, even getting to the financials and, and what their balance sheet looks like and whatnot. Uh, yes, Deutsche Bank is maybe the worst. And there's a reason that it's kind of the prime candidate for, to kind of be the next uh, Lehman Brothers. But the truth of the matter is that I'm not super confident about a lot of other uh, uh, U.S. banks or European banks either. You know, a great example would be like the Fed. They do a stress test of, of U.S. banks. They might even do other banks as well. They might have done like Deutsche Bank. And, and the stress test is basically, you know, if, if these series of events happen in terms of, you know, recession or inflation, deflation, stock market crash, etc. These types of events happen. What will happen to to your company? Are you, are you going to be belly up or can you kind of weather this storm? And I think it's automatically very, very questionable because what is the result that they want? They, they want people to have confidence in the banking sector. And so, of course, the result that they're looking for is, yeah, we're going to be fine. We're going to survive this. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. Profits are going to take a hit. But yeah, we're fine. You don't have to worry about us. But I think that they kind of tailor their test to what they want the results to be. You know, a good example, you know, I was reading an article, I forget if this was yesterday or a couple of days ago, but it was about, you know, the U.S. Navy. It was a bit of an anecdote about the U.S. Navy back in the day. They were running a, a military exercise, a, a war game, if you will. And I forget who the enemy combatant was supposed to be. If this was Iraq or somebody else, this might have been Iraq, but don't quote me on that. Prior to, you know, the first or the second uh, Gulf War. Uh, it could have been someone else. I forget. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. This enemy combatant. Um, they, they they set up this exercise. And on the first day, you know, those that are kind of role-playing the enemy, the bad guys, they realize that the U.S. Navy is the U.S. Navy. I mean, arguably the, the, the most powerful Navy in the world, right? Now, they obviously, as this article I think might have been talking about, they have their, their, their uh, vulnerabilities. But... Uh, if you're going to go up against the U.S. Navy, the way to go up against them is not to fight fire with fire. It's not to use aircraft carriers and 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 uh, fighter and bomber wings and whatnot. Um, no, you're going to have to use some sort of you know, asymmetric warfare, some sort of warfare that they wouldn't be expected. And that's kind of what these enemy combatants did on the first day of this exercise. And they absolutely rocked them. They absolutely stunned them. You know, if this was a real life battle. You know, if the U.S. Navy was fighting, you know, Iraq back in the day or something like that, it would have been uh, uh, seen as a, a tactical 
maybe victory for, for the U.S. in the end, but a strategic victory for, for the other side. Meaning that they inflicted way more losses than they should have on the U.S. Navy. Well, by the day two, they, they told these enemy combatants, mm, no, we changed the rules. You can't do those things you did yesterday. That's cheating. And they ran it again, U.S. Navy won, and they proclaimed victory. Right? And I wonder if it's kind of the same story for this Fed test, stress test business. I don't have proof, the, proof of that. I can't prove that. But, you know, that's just my thoughts on it. So basically, yes, Deutsche Bank is, is in trouble, I think. But I think a lot of U.S. and European banks potentially could be in the future. And so what would it, I mean, in, in Europe, what would it be that could set off a, a, a blow up in one of these banks? I mean, there's, there's a couple different ones that come to mind. Um, first of all, you have a, a derivative blow up. Okay, so their derivative balance sheet blows up. And all of a sudden, they kind of go from you know, technically solvent. Although they, I think a lot of these banks are actually insolvent, but but they appear solvent to appearing very insolvent, right? Deutsche Bank or some other bank. That could be one example. Another one could be uh, something like like uh, another Brexit type situation, <coughs> where you have a total shocking victory or a totally uh, shocking movement in the first place that that uh, sends you know chills down the spine of the market. And, and even that, you know, that could be the catalyst for a derivatives blow up, right? It, it could be a, a major drop in, in, in the French economy, the UK economy, Italian, German economy, etc. You know, all of them, I think, are on the ropes right now anyways. You know, it, it could be whatever. It could be some other black swan event that happened somewhere else. It could be another smaller bank collapsing. And of course, you know, the banking sector today, even beyond just Europe, but, but around the globe, is very interconnected. Right, and so you get some sort of black swan event, and they're they're unable to withstand it. It it exceeds what they were expecting. It exceeds what what they could uh, safely you know lose in some sort of a trade, and all of a sudden uh, they're in major trouble. Now Deutsche Bank, you know, interestingly, I'm talking about you know what would a Deutsche Bank collapse look like? You know, I don't think Deutsche Bank's going to collapse. I think you know German government is is more likely to make them merge with Commerce Bank or to otherwise save them, bail them out, nationalize them, something like that, before they allow them to collapse. But you know, I do think that some sort of an event like that is going to happen in the future, another financial crisis. And this gets into the real meat and potatoes of this discussion today. What would that look like? You know, I was listening to, uh, very recently, I was listening to a, a, a podcast, Macro Voices, if you guys listen to it. If you don't, listen to it. It's great. Eric Townsend, Patrick Ceresna, they have a bunch of guests on. It's a really great, enlightening podcast. They always have great ideas, great guests on there. And, and this past podcast, this past week, they had this guy by the name of Francesco uh, Filia of, of Falsonara Capital. Uh, you can find him at falsonara.com. Okay. Very, very interesting guy. And, and basically, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I want to share what I learned from that with you guys here and, and talk about why you know a, a collapse of Deutsche Bank or a major black swan financial crisis could very well be something that is, is not something that central banks and governments can contain. You know, going back to you know this price chart, it's kind of a good analog of, of you know, what was going on in economies and the financial sector during that time. And so you basically you have a major drop off, but then governments and central banks step in and they you know save the day. But what this guy was talking about, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you guys this here in a second. 
what he was talking about is that the three things they used back then that, that acted as sort of a buffer for the stock market was A, quantitative easing, B, fiscal policy, deficit spending, and C, um, the bond market. It acted as a buffer, meaning that if, if you were a, 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 um, an investor or a pension fund, hedge fund manager, etc., you could put your money into bonds and still some make some money as, as bonds rallied as the stock market crashed. Or if you had money in both and the stock market crashed, well, at least bonds rallied for you and you didn't lose as much. Or maybe even made money on it, depending on what your allocation was. And he's basically saying that those three things are not going to be nearly as effective of buffers for the next stock market crash. And I think it's kind of true for the global economy as well. Okay, and so what he's talking about here. So first of all, QE. QE... His idea behind that, and, and I totally agree, is that yes, it's going to be used again. Yes, it's going to be used in very large quantities. In fact, I think larger quantities than than following the Great Recession. But it's going to be used with a diminished effectiveness. Each trillion dollars that's added to the balance sheet of, of uh, global central banks is going to be less effective than the last trillion dollars. Okay. That's kind of his thesis there, that yes, QE is going to be used, but it's not going to be as effective, and it might not be able to, to, to stave off a, a stock market crash or, or a, you know, a, a, a um, economic collapse. Despite the efforts of Powell or, or whoever's at the ECB at that point, it's, it's not going to work. The second thing that he talked about is, is deficits, deficit spending, um, fiscal policy. And, and the problem with that, I want to show you it here is that you know our, our, our fiscal picture here in the United States is vastly different from where it was in 2008. This is from Fred. This is from the Fed right here, St. Louis Fed. Basically, yes, we can spend more money, and I think personally we will spend a lot more money. You know, I, I, I'm forecasting, or at least I saw this from somewhere else, and I absolutely agree with this. I think this is Alistair McLeod that, that predicted this. Something like $30 trillion added to our national debt over the next 10 years. I think that's accurate. And I think spending is going to be a big part of it. But again, going back to the QE, it's going to be less and less effective. That's how debt works. As you, as you increase your debt, every bit of debt spending, every extra dollar is less effective than the last dollar. And I think that's going to be the case this time around. Right? We're going to jump to, to 150 whatever uh, debt to GDP. This is what we're looking at here, debt to GDP ratio. And the same is true for Europe. Right? It's come down somewhat over the years, especially with Germany reducing their deficits. But places like Italy, Spain, various other countries... Uh, they still have a massive debt problem. And a lot of these countries have constraints on just how much they can spend. And again, it goes back to you only can spend so much debt. I mean, the U.S. maybe can go to 120, 150 debt to GDP. And yeah, our currency is going to suffer because of that. But do you think that somewhere like Italy is going to be? I mean, what is Italy? We can check here. Italy debt to GDP. 131%. Do you think that the markets are going to allow Italy to go to 150, 160, 200% without a total collapse of their... No, I mean, that, that's going to be putting the euro itself at risk at that point. They're not going to allow that, right? And so that's that's the second piece here is that, that debt, fiscal debt especially, is not going to be as effective. And of course, at, at the consumer level, at the corporate level, they're heavily indebted as well. They just don't have the same... Uh, dry powder to kind of buy this next dip, right? 
That goes back to, to interest rate policy from Fed and QE, right? They can do QE. It's not going to be as effective. They can't really lower interest rates a whole lot. The Fed has a little bit of room to lower them. Other central banks can lower them more and more into the negative range or into the negative range for the first uh, in the first place, but not very far, right? And that's only going to simulate a, a limited amount of extra spending from, from consumers, from corporates, etc. Okay, so that's number two. And then number three, what I found very interesting was uh, the bond market and how uh, bond market rallying or money moving into the bond market can act as a buffer for the stock market. And, and for, for pension funds, et cetera, and, and various other you know, funds. And that's just not the case this time around. And so what you're looking at here in the black is a U.S. 10-year yield. Okay, and you can see the scale right here. Currently, 2.666%. Interesting price. Um, that's where it's at right now. Okay, and then you see uh, the, the red, and the red here is Japan's 10-year, and then blue here is Germany's 10-year. Okay, and so they're just shy of, of 2%, but wait, no, they're not shy of 2% because look, we're dealing with different um, um, scales here. And so in reality, you can actually see what their price is or what the yield is right now. Japan's yield, negative 0.02% on a 10-year bond. It's nonsense. It's it's outlandish. It's ridiculous. And yet that's you know central bank intervention. That's what uh, the, their economy looks at. The Japanification, if you will. Germany, not a whole lot higher. 0.11%. And so the stock market crashes, Deutsche Bank collapses, we have another financial crisis. What way are bonds heading? Well, yeah, German bonds, they can head lower in terms of yields. Price can go up to, maybe they can go to zero. Maybe they can go to negative 0.1. But, but how negative can these bonds ultimately get? Not very negative. Their price cannot go up much. In fact, if anything, they're likely to go down at some point. And the U.S., now, U.S. bond market is massive, and, and the amount of, I guess, buffer room that can be absorbed, and they were discussing this in this podcast, between 2.666 and, and 0% is a massive amount, but even that is, is limited in the whole scheme of things. You know, if I, if I take off these other two, if I go back, uh, that's, that's, that's like five years, so I could even go further back than that. Um, if we go back, you know, to the 2000s, you know, it is far, far below where it is today or far, far above. The price was far, far below back then, right? And so that buffer for the U.S. bond market is limited as well. And then other things come into play as well. You know, if you have QE, if you have massive government spending, what does that can mean for inflation? If inflation's 2%, 5%, 8%, you know, are our bond yields going to stay at, at 1% or 0% or negative? Uh, not for very long, not unless the, the Fed completely controls the entire bond market. Then you're still with more and more inflation, Right. And so I guess the big takeaway from what I'm talking about here is that this next financial crisis, you know, I think there's this idea that many people have that governments, as much as we hate to say it, governments will save the day. The Fed's going to come in, ECB is going to come in, Bank of Japan, do some QE, and they're going to lower interest rates, and they're going to save the stock market. Now, yes, maybe we're also thinking, eh, Currencies are going to crash as well. Metals are going to, you know, silver and gold are going to go up and great. That might be the case. That absolutely might be the case. But what if we're wrong in that they can save the markets? What if, what if it goes in the other direction? And instead, you know, if I can bring up something like the Dow Jones. Uh, if we bring up the Dow Jones here. Uh, what if they save the, you know, they try and save the markets like, like they, you know, kind of did here in just in the last couple of months. But they just keep falling. And they keep trying to save them. They keep throwing money at the, 
at the fire, basically. And ultimately, stocks collapse, the currency collapses, bonds eventually follow suit. What if we have that type of a situation, an inf- inflationary collapse where you just see, see stocks continuously moving down or, you know, certainly in an inflation-adjusted manner, always moving down? You know, it's just something to think about. I want to speak food for thought in this video today because, I, you know, what listening to this, this, this Francesco Filia, it was extremely thought-provoking. <clears throat> and it made a lot of sense. It was very uh, compelling arguments that he was making. And it really makes me wonder what this next crisis will look like. You know, another another great question that I received the other day is, is what, you know, how quick is this going to happen? This reset, this collapse of the system, is this going to be overnight? Or is this going to be something that's drawn out? Um, and that's a great question as well. You know, is this going to be something that like, we go into one weekend uh, kind of worried about global markets or some major amount of fear. And then when they open up, you know, Sunday night in, in Europe, uh, the system no longer exists and, and we've totally shifted to something else. Or is it going to be something that's drawn out? You know, I, I tend to be thinking that, you know, the over the weekend type business, that's going to be if this collapses controlled, right? If it happens over a very short period and seems to be controlled, it probably is. If it's, chaotic and, and uncontrolled and you see a lot of people at the top panicking well you know maybe maybe their system is finally blown up on them but you know i guess this is you know again this goes back to what i said in the beginning this goes beyond deutsche bank this goes beyond any individual bank the truth of the matter that the global financial system is a major problem is in a major has a major problem major debt problem major derivative problem and, and ultimately, we're going to end up with some sort of a contagion. And the, the, the things like consumer spending, government spending, QE, the buffer that is the bond markets, those are just not going to be in play this next time around. And we're going to end up with just totally unpredictable. But, but ultimately, you know, the, the one thing that I keep coming back to when it, in terms of how, what's going to happen, you know, the one thing that I always come back to is that, yeah, you know, if, if we have a collapse in, in European banking sector or whatever, yeah, a lot of money is going to rush into U.S. bonds, U.S. dollar, etc. But over the long term, this is all going to be very destructive for currencies, and it's all very bullish for precious metals, right? I don't. It's hard for me to see a whole lot in all of this that isn't bullish on precious metals. So that's what I got for you today. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this down below in the comment section. As always, I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for like so many days listening to listening to me rant for for however long I've been talking now. Um, I hope this has been informative. I hope it's been thought provoking. As always, again, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.